Amen. We are grateful for the faithfulness of God for in moments when our own falls short. Thank God that God never does. Won't we all be seated? Thank you. Well, I must say I know already for those who are worried that there's a time constraint. I'm very grateful to be here with you all and to worship with you all. My family and I were so blessed to be in attendance at the 1115 service last week. And as we sat in the back, my sons informed me that my mm-hmm and all right were a little too loud. <laughs> so I, I do set you free this morning. If you have an mm-hmm and an all right, please amplify. It is something that I'm used to. But I'm delighted to be with you all this morning and grateful to Simon and your leadership team for the invitation to do so on this very special occasion of celebrating the birthday of our prophet, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. This morning, I'd like us to meditate on the topic, a mountain moving faith. We say a brief prayer with me. Dear Lord, we pray that you resonate in this space in the ways that only you can. Allow your Holy Spirit to dwell as we think and meditate and pray together. Amen. For truly I tell you, Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Initially, this text triggered more questions for me than answers or directions. Questions like, how do you actually move a mountain? I mean, can you really move it with faith the size of a mustard seed? And if you can, what does that kind of faith look like? I mean, I'm not even really thinking about real mountain ranges, like the Rocky Mountains and the towering Alleghenies. I... I live here in Atlanta with you all, so I'm, I'm just thinking about, like, Stone Mountain. <laughs> How can we tell Stone Mountain to move from here to there, and it actually moves? Does it really only require just a little faith to do something that appears impossible? So I began thinking more about it and looking into what is so special about a mustard seed. It is one of the smallest seeds. It's about the size of the point of your pen, about 2.5 millimeters or one-tenth of an inch in diameter. From very small mustard seedlings, the plants grow rapidly. The plant reaches its full height of about five to six and a half feet. Mustard plants are easy and inexpensive to grow, and they flourish in many types of soil. Compared to many other plants, they unusually have few insect pests or plant diseases, and they tolerate extremes of weather without serious harm. So the mustard seed starts very small and creates something very big. Its plant is tough and withstands all types of attacks, challenges, and circumstances. There's something so profound about that transformation that even Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to a mustard seed. Comparing faith to a mustard seed provides a picture of faith that has the smallest of beginnings, but 
It can evolve and grow like a leavening agent and become so strong that it can move mountains. Many biblical scholars and commentators have written that the mountains referred to in this text represent things that would at first appear impossible, overwhelming, unapproachable, and unchanging. So this small, feeble amount of faith, when planted, can grow quickly and withstand the winds and the waves, the trials and the tribulations of life. With a faith like this, a person can be like that described by the psalmist in the first psalm. They can be like trees planted by streams of water which yield their fruit in their season and their leaves do not wither and in all they do, they prosper. A faith like this can change environments that may seem unchangeable, change relationships and relating in ways never before seen and create a reality that can only and had only been imagined in the heart of a dreamer. Do you know that you've been given a measure of faith that can move mountains and transform communities and call out the absurdities of the isms in our very midst, our communities, our places of work, and even in your own home? Do you realize that each of us has been charged with being a mountain mover? What are some of the mountains we face today? We live in a tale of two cities in Atlanta where we are continuing to experience a growing gap between the haves and the have-nots. Atlanta continues to rank at the top of the list as a city with one of the highest income inequalities in the country. I would say that that sounds like a mountain. What are some of the mountains? The housing affordability crisis in this city and writ large in this country According to the 2019 report of the National Low-Income Housing Coalition, it requires $22.96 for a modest two-bedroom rental home, a worker earning the federal minimum wage of $7.25 must then work 127 hours a week. We are living at a time where there is hunger insecurity in every county in the wealthiest nation in the world. Health care and access to adequate health care is under attack. Educational systems, even in our very city, in the same school system, are extremely apparent. The criminal justice system, the criminal justice system, is rife with systemic injustices that continue to create separate and unequal situations in a system that should be just based upon color of skin and socioeconomic status. According to Brian Stevenson, the architect of the Equal Justice Institute and the storyteller of the acclaimed book, Just Mercy, writes that the United States incarcerates more of its citizens than any other nation in the world. We have 5% of the world's population and 25% of its incarcerated population. The land of the free, the home of the brave. The Pulitzer Prize winning author Matthew Desmond, who wrote the book Evicted Poverty and Profit in the American City, studies the eviction records of 
African-American women and women in lower socioeconomic statuses in the city of Milwaukee. And during the course of his study, he came to realize that if incarceration had come to define the lives of men from impoverished black neighborhoods, eviction was shaping the lives of women. He goes on to write that poor black men were locked up and poor black women were locked out. The mountains are great. The mountains are prevalent. The rise of emboldening racism, sexism, xenophobia, and hatred span throughout this country. When we see headlines like we did yesterday, where a state has declared a state of emergency to battle an impending race war, where mothers of color like myself are afraid to send their own children of color out of the door for a day at the park because we do not know what they might encounter. We are living at a time where the mountains are great. So what is keeping us from engaging our faith in such a way that we can move mountains? I think it's obvious the first one is fear. We give in to fear rather than acknowledging our fear and moving forward. We allow fear of others who are different than us to block our compassion and recognition of another's humanity. We allow fear to disqualify us from opportunities that expand our horizons professionally and personally. Like the disciples after Christ's crucifixion, those who were claiming to have followed Christ and be the followers of Christ, they cowered in an upper room rather than fearlessly walking out and witnessing a stone roll away as evidence of an empty tomb and a resurrection before their very eyes. As King says in his book, A Gift of Love, first we must unflinchingly face our fears and honestly ask ourselves, why are we afraid? This confrontation will, to some measure, grant us power. By bringing our fears to the forefront of our consciousness, we may be able to find them to be more imaginary than real. For the acronym FEAR stands for False Evidence Appearing Real. King goes on to say that we can master fear through one of the supreme virtues known to humankind, and that is courage. Courage is the power of the mind to overcome fear. It is the determination not to be overwhelmed by any object, however frightful, enables us to stand up to any fear, and it is an inner resolution to go forward in spite of obstacles and frightening situations. Dr. King says we must constantly build dikes of courage to hold back the flood of fear. In addition to fear, another reason why we have difficulty engaging our faith to move mountains is that we have given in to hopelessness. When we look at all of the mountains that we face in society, when we come face to face with the mountains in our personal home and lives, health diagnoses, relationship issues, professional challenges, it can lead us into a valley of hopelessness. We begin to wonder, will things ever get better? 
can we actually fix this problem? Is there really a God? We go to church. We go through the motions because that's what we're supposed to do or that's what we were brought up doing or that's what our mother and our fathers did. It's the proper thing, especially in the South, because in Atlanta, right after they ask what high school you went to, they ask what church do you go to? We give in to a hopelessness that triggers an apathetic faith walk and renders us powerless to move mountains. It is important to recognize and to connect the dots that hope and faith are interrelated. For the Bible even tells us that now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Hope and faith are tag team partners that push us towards all that God has in store for our lives. Our hope directs our faith. It gives our faith a direction to aim for. It energizes our faith and keeps us trusting in a God that we cannot see. Hope is what keeps us going when there are no guarantees that you're going to get to where you hope to go. Hope gets us through the unseen moments of our faith. But in the church, in the body of Christ, we often give up too easily. We give into politics and naysaying. And rather than holding on to our hope, we give it up. Rather than hoping against hope as Abraham did, we, we relinquish our birthright. And when we give up on hope, we give up on our faith. We give up on justice. Brian Stevenson goes on to say that we've all been acculturated into accepting the inevitability of wrongful convictions and unfair sentences and racial bias and racial disparities, and I would add, and grand mountains. He says, I think hopelessness is the enemy of justice. For we have too many insiders, too many with privilege who become hopeless about what they can do, and as a result, they do nothing. I think that we can say this about the church, that the church is the place where we should be the builder and the incubator and the curator of hope, especially in dark days, in hopeless moments. We've got to fight, church, to reclaim our hope. Sing and shout and proclaim Like the hymn writer wrote, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, oh God, but on the darkest day I wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. This is where you say yes. All other ground is sinking sand on the darkest of the darkest when the mountains are all that you can see. Those are the moments where you call on a hope that you thought you had put down, that had gone away, because although you can't change it all by yourself, you can hold up a lighting banner that says, I hope none the less. We have to push past fear and hopelessness and work Together, somebody say together, to move mountains. This is why I like this text. We're living at a time where our national discourse has become so divisive 
dividing up these united states. And in this election cycle, it is bound to become even more so. We must gear up and prepare to be the witness of God in the earth, in the city of Atlanta, as we march towards November. For too long, we have allowed these mountain issues to become partisan issues. But if we're honest, many of these mountain issues that I've listed are American issues. They affect the life, the fabric, and the soul of our country. In this text today, Jesus spoke about faith and moving mountains. And what I love about it is he didn't speak to one person. He says to them, if you all have the faith, if you have the faith, I put the all in there to catch you. He's referring to the plural you. He's not saying to you individually. He's saying to you plural. If together you have the faith, the size of a mustard seed, you together can move mountains. The greatest weapon against us is the weapon of division. For a house divided cannot stand. But if we reclaim our charge to work together, the old Negro spiritual said, work together, children. Talk together, children. Don't get weary For there is truly a promised land. And it's not the promised land up in heaven or far, far away. But it is one that if we come together with the faith the size of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. Lo and behold, when we come together and move mountains, we can truly see the love of God in action. As I close, I want to reflect on this wonderful time I had on vacation long, long ago. On the Yucatan Peninsula and in other places in Mexico, you can come across cenotes. Anybody familiar with a cenote? A cenote is a water-filled limestone sinkhole, and it was often the only place of fresh water for many of the ancient civilizations, namely the Mayan people. In those cenotes, it looks like all of a sudden a giant hole developed in the place of what was once a grand mountain. Rainwater absorbs a carbon dioxide from the air and together they form a weak acid. And as the rain trickles down through the tiny cracks in the limestone, the weak acid dissolves the mineral in the limestone. And over time, it dissolves and creates a cenote, the thing that was once a grand mountain, now a hole bearing an oasis of fresh water. Cenote was a very beautiful and dramatic example of how stone and rock were moved by a trickle. As Confucius said, a man who moves a mountain begins by carrying away small stones. And I couldn't help but think about the image of this cenote while reading our text today for the trickle of the rain and the small streams are analogous to our faith our small amount of faith the size of a mustard seed can move the rock and carve a huge hole in the layer of rock and create a wonderful oasis for others to retrieve fresh 
life-giving waters. May we make a commitment today to do just one thing, a first step to move mountains. So that when faced not only with the sick child that the man brought to the disciples, but also with the many mountains before us today, we can engage the little faith, the small measure of faith that we've all been given to make a difference in the mountains of issues that we face. I truly believe that when we put our faith to work, when we do more than quote scriptures, when we do more than diagnose problems in our workplaces and in society, that we may begin to see that God responds to this faith. And step by step or leap by leap, we together can move the mountains in our midst. Our God can move mountains. Our God can make a way out of no way. Our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. With a mountain-moving faith, with this collective faith, we can truly transform communities, nations, and ultimately ourselves. Dr. King says, with this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, We will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood and sisterhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, he says, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. Let us engage and ignite our mounting, moving faith in our homes, in our city, in our communities, in our nation, and in our world.